0: They serve as national leaders in Sweden. Give Ted a hand, and we look forward to listening to you, Ted. I could say something, but I don't know. <laughs> that's great. So. Uh, have a couple of things on my heart tonight. I really like what Fleming uh, mentioned uh, about the Father heart of God, the Father revealing himself as a loving Father to us tonight. I believe he wants to do that. I believe he wants to uh, let us experience a lot of joy together, a lot of his love together. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of laughter uh, this week, Uh, lots of hugs. Um, I know we have to be careful with the hugs because of the corona uh, situation, but but as best we can, showing love to each other in a way that's careful with our health. Um, yeah, it's just—it's a joy to come back together. As Steve said already, it's been three years ago actually since we met like this in camp. And I had one funny memory that we were talking about today. I just thought I would mention that. Um, some of you have been at camp for probably since the beginning, and it maybe another raise, of, if you could raise your hands, those of you who have been around for, for like since those early years, maybe some of the camps at the beginning. Okay, yeah, great. I know we have a couple of old-timers here. They're good friends of ours. And <laughs> Emily's not an old-timer, but you've been around from the beginning and Ellen too. Yeah, it's amazing. Does, do any of you remember the camp that we had um, Oh, I can't remember. Was it the one in Norway where it rained and the tent was not uh, treated for water? Was that, wasn't that in Norway? You think it's in Sweden, but I don't believe that. Had to be Norway. No, it probably was Sweden. But we had this tent, you know, the big yellow tent uh, that they have sometimes for like big meetings outdoors. And this tent was not properly treated for, for resisting water. And so what happened was it rained a lot that week, and it, everybody was gathered like this inside of a huge tent, and all of a sudden the water started dripping from the ceiling. And the drops were bigger than raindrops because they're gathering on the ceiling, and the, it was just dripping harder on the inside of the tent than it was on the outside of the tent. The outside it was raining like really light rain. And so Christian was teaching one particular night. I remember this. And he stood on the platform like this with an umbrella <laughs> teaching that night. And we had volunteers holding umbrellas over the soundboard. And we had a, unfortunately, we had a television in the back that we were showing information on. That's why we show information on paper now. But the television got destroyed because water leaked into the top of the television. But he was, isn't that a fun memory? It's like, yeah. We've had a wonderful time the last years with our camp, and we've seen God do so many things. Um, In preparing for this evening, I felt like that I should start by praying for the camp, if that's okay. And I want to pray from Galatians chapter 5. And I really believe that it is in line with what Fleming said about God wanting to reveal himself to us as a father, Showing us his love. In Galatians chapter 5, we have the verses that talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And I often through the years have prayed this when when I'm in a church service or beginning a a meeting or something. I want to pray that the, the qualities of the Holy Spirit will permeate the place the qualities of the Holy Spirit would, would fill our fellowship and fill the place that we're meeting in. And, and I've already prayed for this room this night. I like to do that too sometimes. I walked around it and prayed for it. But I just, I just think we need to pray for the camp that we might see the fruit of the Spirit, the qualities of the Spirit filling us and being poured out upon us this week. Is that Okay. Some of you know what these verses are. I'm going to read the verse, and then we're going to go back and and pray through that. Is that okay? It won't take but just a minute. But in Galatians 5, I don't have my glasses. See, would you give me my glasses? They're in uh, that little, yeah. How do you tell where your glasses are? They're in this, not in the big one. No, you're digging too deep. They're on the front. (laughs) Why don't you bring me that big case here, and I'll find them. Galatians chapter 5, I can think I can read. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Do you remember? Love starts with love. The second one is joy. Oh, you're gonna bring the whole case. Oh my goodness. Okay. I apologize. I apologize to everyone. Let me let me have the other ones here. I've got five or six sets in here. I really do I really do apologize. That's not okay. The fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace. And patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wouldn't it be great to have a week where our fellowship is characterized by love? Wouldn't it be? Will you feel there's a sense of warmth between us, and that where forgiveness comes easy, that we are able to slow down and give one another our real attention, and listen to one another? joy that we would be able to laugh a lot and have fun. I believe Jesus really did laugh and have fun. And I believe he's with us when we laugh. He's with us when we're together like this enjoying life together. Peace that we would not be stressed by the the things that are difficult with uh, whatever this week has for you. Maybe there's hopefully the weather will be great. It's supposed to be good. But that we would have peace and not be stressed, that we would be patient with one another, that we would be kind to one another, that we would show goodness to one another, that we would be faithful. Gentleness, isn't that a wonderful word? And self-control. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. The self-control has a lot of other et cetera's after it. But why don't we just pray that for the camp? Is that okay? Father, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would, as our Father, fill this place with your love tonight and tomorrow, and that uh, all of the caravans and the tents at the youth camp and in the forest and and those things in the rooms or even off-site, we just ask, Father, for your love to permeate this week and our time together for your joy to permeate it. May there be lots of laughter. May there be lots of joy that is deeper than, than the funny things as well. We pray for your deep joy, and we pray for your funny things, your laughter in our hearts. We pray, Father, for uh, the uh, kindness. Uh, pardon me, the, I wanted to pray for the peace. We pray for peace in the hearts of those especially who are stressed and weighed down by uh, difficult things. You see, Lord, we have guests here that are, that are refugees from war. We have people here from uh, situations where they're struggling with finances or struggling with relationships or health. And we ask in Jesus' name for peace in the midst of this difficult life that we sometimes have to go through. We pray in Jesus' name for them. We pray for a, an atmosphere of gentleness, an atmosphere of kindness, of goodness toward each other, of faithfulness, and of self-control. And we thank you for what you're going to do in our midst, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I just thought it was good to uh, pray for that. When I was a, a young boy... I grew up in a small town in East Texas, and actually, Kyle, Annabeth's husband, who's here, Annabeth's going to be leading us in worship tomorrow night. Her husband is actually one of the few people, and she as well, who've been in the area that I grew up in. <laughs> it's amazing. I grew up in a small town that was a, a sawmill town. If you know what I mean by that, it's a, in Swedish, it's called a sobrug, but in other languages, it's just a sawmill town where the main industry was the forest and the trees and making lumber. And in that town, there were two old locomotive engines. Uh, a locomotive that was run on coal or on wood. And, of course, it was a steam engine. It's huge, and it's made out of cast iron and steel. You know what I'm saying? And it's extremely heavy. And this, in this town, there were two locomotives that were... Uh, no longer being used. Thankfully, I'm not old enough to know how that looks when the locomotives were used. But these locomotives were no longer being used, but they were just sitting uh, in a back lot along an old railroad track that wasn't used anymore. And there was no fence around them. There was no signs on them. And they were a great place to play, right? I mean, it's perfect for a kid, a locomotive. And so we would go there, my friends and I, and we would play in these old locomotives. There were two of them. And uh, on one of the locomotives, uh, both of them, pardon me, uh, I remember looking and and even as a kid being kind of amazed because you wonder, where's the motor on this thing? Where's the engine? Actually, the whole thing is an engine. You with me? Yeah. That's not an important point. But this locomotive has a tiny little box where they build a fire. I call it tiny because it's not larger than about like this, but this big by this big and you build a fire in this box, it heats up the water in this huge tank, and the steam then will drive the locomotive. But what is amazing, and it's still amazing to me, that a box that big, it's, it's not much larger than a suitcase, you build a fire in that thing, and it can drive a locomotive that weighs tens of thousands of, well, tens of, thousands of pounds. It weighs tons. It's extremely heavy. You with me? That locomotive is, uh, I think, a great example of, of what we are like in a sense. We are driven in our lives by motives, by passions, by desires, by things that, that cause us to do what we do, cause us to strive after what we strive after. And I want to talk to us a little bit tonight about the fire in your heart. And it's not going to be probably the teaching that you're thinking it might be. But there is a fire in you and it's going, it is meant to push you, to drive you toward the things that God has created you for. And that motivation in your heart can be misused and drive you to things that God has not created you for. And that's why we see so much evil in the world today. But God has created you in such a way that there is a firebox in you. You with me? There's a place in you that can be filled with something that will motivate you and will move you in the direction that God wants you to move and will cause you to want what he wants. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that he is at work in us, so that we both will, we want, and we will do according to what pleases him, to his good pleasure. Isn't it great? So God is at work in us when it comes to our firebox, and I want to talk about that. The two big things that I want to mention tonight uh, in teaching about this, the, the first one is that there, is, uh, the, there are the two great commandments, and those are like uh, the two great commandments of the Bible from, from Deuteronomy and Leviticus are, are the, the verses that talk about loving the Lord our God with all of our hearts, and your mind, and your strength, and also loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, those are not the ones I'm going to talk about tonight, but those two great commandments are like a, a life, what's the word? It's like a, uh, a general life, not just direction, uh, command. It's like what permeates our life, what should drive us ultimately is our love for God and our love for people. Uh, but what I want to talk to you about are the two great commissions that we often forget. The two great commandments, of course, we build upon those. Those are central. But the two great commissions of the Bible that I believe God wants to remind us of, and that they might stir your firebox tonight, rekindle, I hope, some flames inside of you. We talk often about the second commission, and that's in Matthew 28. We're going to read that later. But there's a first commission. You know what that one is? The first commission. It's actually in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1. If you look in verse 26, we see the first great commission. Uh, And I want to read that for you. I don't have it on the screen tonight, but if you can just follow and listen, uh, you'll get the points that I'm trying to make. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when he says man, I read mankind. Male and female. And God blessed them and God said to them, and here comes the first commission. It's the, what God gives them, for, as a mission for their lives. Isn't this interesting? Okay, Adam and Eve, you, ha- you are alive, you exist, you have each other, but what is your purpose here? What are you supposed to do? Oh, whoa, scared me. What are you supposed to do down here? I gotta put that thing in the right place. What are you supposed to do? And then he says to them this. He says, Be front, he says first of all, and God blessed them And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every, uh, pardon me, every living thing that moves on the earth. Now we've read these verses a lot, hopefully you have. But what does he mean by that? What does that have to do with you today? These verses are actually describing something that God planted inside of you When you were born. When you were made in your mother's womb. There's something inside of us in your firebox that moves you in a direction. And the first one that he's talking about, be fruitful and multiply, I want to look at that. The word be fruitful, the word for fruit in the Hebrew, is used in three different ways. It's usually used of a tree where you talk about the fruit, the fruit of a tree, an apple tree or a banana, bush or whatever. But here, it's used as a metaphor, and in the Bible, it's used in two more ways as a metaphor. It's used as the fruit of, of a mother's womb, a child, the fruit of a mother's body, and a man and a woman coming together, having a baby, and then it's used of the fruit of our uh, actions or words. You with me? So the word fruit has two big, strong metaphorical meanings, our our body, the fruit of our body, but also the fruit of our hands and our words, the work of our hands and the words of our mouth are also fruit. We're going to take a look at that. First of all, the, the fruit of our body, be fruitful and multiply. I just want to, and we know this, but I just want to say it because we don't say it enough that God has placed in you the desire, if you're a guy for a woman and a woman, a, guy, a desire for a guy. He's put that there. He's built that, and it is good. And just like any motive or desire or passion in us, it can be misdirected and used and and come out, so to speak, in in the wrong ways, but it is a good thing that God has planted in you. And his desire is, he created man and woman, that they might together multiply. In in other words, bear fruit, have children, and as a family, continue to have children, and to live together as an example of, of love. It basically comes from him. Are you with me? So God said the very first part of the, the fruit commandment is to be fruitful and multiply, and that means to bear children, to, to get married. And so that desire is not wrong, it's good. And I know you know that, but I just wanted to say it. That's all. And we want to pray for that tonight because some of you are struggling in this area. You may have been single a long time and you're struggling with this whole idea of marriage and, and you feel like that I am not fulfilling what God wants me to be because I'm not married. I don't believe that that's a correct statement. I believe that for some people, you're not necessarily going to get married. For most people, you are. Some people choose not to get married. But my point is, is that we want to pray for that so that you will find God's peace and experience God's love and God's guidance in that area. Is that, is that okay? I feel insecure when I'm talking about this because I know it's kind of a sensitive area. But I want to I pray for that. And I also want to pray for those of you who are married, that you would have a rekindling of the motivation to make it a good marriage. A rekindling of your passion to make it a great family. You with me? Sometimes our fire needs to be rekindled to make your life what God has intended it to be. So we want to pray for marriages. We want to pray for families. We want to pray for those of you who are, who are in relationships or those who are seeking a husband or a wife. We want to pray for this area of your lives. The Father loves you and wants the best for you there. The next thing I want to say about this, being fruitful has to do with the works of your hands and the words of your mouth. You know, we have a built-in desire to do something. I remember an old pastor teaching one time about what he called the laws, you know, he called them the laws of counterpart, I think. It was an old Pentecostal pastor named Derek Prince that I listened to years and years ago. But I remember him talking about the the need to be meaningfully involved in work, to do something with our hands and our words that would be fruitful, that would have an impact, that would be productive, that that would cause something positive for other people. We have something in us that needs that and desires that. And I believe God has placed it there. And we want to pray for you, your work, your education, the direction that you're headed in right now, that you might find the right direction and that you might be blessed in the work of your hands, blessed in the fruit of your lips if your work involves talking. You follow me? Can somebody nod a little bit so that I know you think this is a little bit okay, what I'm saying? I just want to kind of tonight put our focus on you, that God loves you and God wants your life to work. And he wants you to feel his motivation when you get up on Monday morning to go to work and to do the job as best you can. He wants you to feel as a student his motivation to do those studies, to finish that course, to do that exam as best you can. You with me? He wants you to sense his motivation so that life will be full of what he wants it to be full of. The next thing he says here, if I can move on, I don't want to spend, I'm spending most of the time on this first commission, just so you know. He says, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. A lot of big words. Filling the earth has to do, of course, with our, as we have more children, as we have more generations, we become more people and we expand into the earth. But there's also the idea that it's okay to discover. It's okay to go someplace new, and that, I, that desire that we have to travel to new places and see something new and experience something new, that's also, I believe, part of the creation commission. You with me? I believe it's why explorers explore. Explore. I believe it's why people are motivated to to find this new place in the jungle or to climb that mountain or to experience that ride down the river because we want to experience the creation that God has given to us to rule over and to fill. We don't always get to go to every place we want, but we get to see a little bit. And I just want to pray for that as well, that you'd be blessed in that area, that you would learn to enjoy that walk along the river down here To experience, sometimes just a walk around the block, you can experience more of the creation than you have experienced before. Now you're not nodding. You don't think that's exciting. But you know, it can be fun. It's amazing what you can see if you just open your eyes. God has put something in you to appreciate his creation. Then he says, subdue it and rule. And this is a hard one. We don't like these words, but... Did you know the, the root of both of those words, I've, I've done a little bit of study of the actual words, and, and the root idea of those words is putting something under your foot. Not to destroy it, but to rule over it. So a shepherd rules over his sheep. They are under the shepherd's leadership. The shepherd... The shepherd commands the sheep so that they go where he wants them to go. I'm thinking of a shepherd with real sheep. I'm not talking about a pastor. I'm talking about a shepherd with sheep. It has to do with ruling over a place, for example. It has to do with the idea of stewardship. God owns the earth, but he's given us the commission to rule over it. What does that mean? Well, we have a small house. We just moved to Huskorn, actually, in Jönköping. And it's a small house, and we have a small little yard uh, or garden, you might call it, that's 590, well, what do you call it, square meters. 590. That's pretty small. But you know what? I rule over that. I rule over that 590 square meters. <laughs> I can move those rocks anywhere I want them. I can kill that grass right there if I want to. I can clip that bush if I want to. I can dig a hole over there if I want to. Do you, do you get where I'm going? There's a You have something that you rule over. You don't have to own it to rule over it. If you rent an apartment, somebody else owns it, but it's under your authority because you're renting it. You're ruling over that. And you put that lamp where you want it to be. You put that painting on the wall you want it to be on. You are ruling over what is under your stewardship. Did you know God wants to bless you in that? Nobody's nodding again. My goodness. God wants to bless you in what you rule over. You know, you may have a... a, a, We have a car. I don't want to talk about our stuff. We have an older car. but It's a nice one, but it's an older one. Just got it. And it's like, okay, let's do our best with that. Let's take care of what we rule over. Take care of your apartment. Or if you have a, a bookshelf full of books, take care of those books and rule over those well. Uh, this is crazy examples, but my the thought is that God commits to us the responsibility of stewarding over certain things. And as we grow and we show ourselves responsible over the small things, just like Jesus said, he will entrust to us larger things, even in this life. Now is when you could not, actually, because there's some people in here that know what I'm saying. As you are responsible for the things God's given you, then he will give you grace, and bless you so that you will experience more and larger stewardship as time goes on. Some of you have, have, uh, as business people, have seen that in effect, that you've been responsible in following God there, and you have seen that he's blessed your business, and you're responsible today for more than you were 10 years ago, or five years ago, or one year ago. The Bible speaks a lot about business and about God blessing us in those areas, uh, so all I want to say is that there is, what I'm trying to say at the heart of this is that the Father loves you and wants you to be blessed in your life, not just on Sunday morning in the church. He wants you to know that He is with you in your work, in your family, in your marriage. He's with you and by your side as you study as you're looking for what you're going to do with your life, as you're seeking a relationship with someone to marry, He wants you to know that He's with you in that and wants to give you grace and peace and joy and patience in the midst of life. That's something the Father wants to say to many of you tonight because I believe there's many of us here who are in the midst of life. We're struggling We're feeling not peace, but worry. We're feeling frustration. We're feeling disappointment. And we're not feeling motivation to keep going. We're almost at the point possibly of saying, I just don't want to do this anymore. Many people are at that point at times. But God wants to give you grace for life. And he wants you to know that it's not just on Sunday morning when we come together as a body of believers in Jesus, but it's on Monday morning, it's on every morning of your week, every hour of your day, wherever you work, whatever you're doing. So when we have our time of prayer shortly, just in a a minute here we will, or a few minutes, then I want you to be responsive to the Holy Spirit, if you feel a frustration or a a fight, a struggle, in one of the areas I've mentioned or even some other area, I want you to be soft in your heart and say, Lord, I'd like to receive prayer for that. I need more power. I need more grace. I need more help there in this area. You with me? One of my prayers for this week is that we would have a culture of ministry where it's easy for each one of us to stand up or go forward or go to our friends and neighbors and say, pray for me. We want that kind of a culture here where it's easy to be prayed for. Do you want that? Please say yes a little louder. Yes, great. But but let's decide in our minds, let's have that kind of culture. If the Lord is... spoken to you on something or or, or you feel that you identified with some of these areas I'm talking about where you need help from the Lord you need strength from the Lord you might need some healing from the Lord you might need some, some restoration of your motivation in the Lord in your life then be responsive to that and let's pray for each other let's pray for each other I want to close off with the last commission and you know I'm talking about the great commission of the kingdom of God and that is in Uh, uh, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And I'm going to read those for you. But I just want to say that it's kind of cool to see the parallel. You don't always see it when you're reading the scriptures. But uh, the the first creation had a commission to mankind. And we just read that one. But when Jesus comes, he's called the second Adam. Uh, That's what he's called in the New Testament. It means that he's starting a new kind of people people that are restored to God people that have a relationship with God that's not broken by sin people that have, that are part of a new creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says that we are in Christ what a new creation we're a new creation and this fantastic truth that he is calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light to be a people that, that are like a new kind of person. A person that is, has the Holy Spirit dwelling in their firebox. You got it? You've got a really good firebox and he wants you to be motivated for a lot of good things in your life. But he also wants that firebox to be ignited by the Holy Spirit. The wood in your firebox, ignited by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Jesus, some of you who know your Bibles well might remember this verse. Jesus says in the book of Luke, he says that I long, he says, I have come to ignite a fire on the earth. You remember there's a verse that says that? I have come to ignite a fire on the earth. And he says, I am longing for the day when I can ignite it. And then we read later, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that on the day of Pentecost, what is it that the Holy Spirit looks like when he comes? It looks like fire. It says that the Spirit, like tongues of fire, it looks it looked like fire flaming in the air, coming and resting upon the heads of everyone in the room, and it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He ignited their firebox. So that businessman sitting there, he ignited the wood in that businessman's firebox. So it's not just being blessed in their business, but it's their business is being blessed also and being used for the kingdom. And some of you business people know what I mean. You are used but for the kingdom. I see some sitting here and know some sitting here that are used by the, in the kingdom of God through their business and through what God is doing in them. He's ignited that firebox. If you're a doctor, I know there's some doctors sitting here, God can ignite you and use you in your workplace, among your relationships and your peers, to be an ambassador for his kingdom. The Holy Spirit comes and ignites the fire inside of our lives. And it says, that that's the metaphor for the fire is amazing in the New Testament. It speaks of the Holy Spirit being like a fire. And, and it, Paul even says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, you need to rekindle the gift of God in you. And he's talking about that Holy Spirit in his firebox. You know, I, I uh, already shared that I come from the country, but uh, it's, um, some of you really love to camp, and you're camping right now. Uh, We don't have a lot of places to make open fires around here, but you know when you make an open fire out in a camp, uh, after a while the fire burns down. It's the same thing in a fireplace, but the fire burns down after a while. And then if you let it burn down, you'll get ashes on top, and it looks gray, but it's still burning underneath, right? Well, what Paul says to Timothy, is says, you need to get a stick and stir the ashes stir the fire into flame in your heart, in your life. Your firebox needs to be stirred into flame. And so what I want to pray for you is, I haven't even read it yet. I wanted to read the verse before we at least quit anyway. (laughs) Uh, And it's in Matthew chapter 28. But I wanted you to read these verses. God wants them to be like the, the, the stuff in the firebox that burns in you. In your daily life as well. It says here in Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Be fruitful. And multiply. You hear it? It's basically the same thing. Not with babies, but with baby Christians, with baby believers, people that are becoming new creations in Christ. Be fruitful and multiply. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're putting them under His rule. You're calling them, inviting them under the rule of Jesus Christ as King. He is the ruler over all things. And then I love what it says at the end here, teaching them all to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, if you are um, a pastor, I believe that some of you sitting here may need to be rekindled in your firebox for the gospel and for the call to make disciples. Church really is about making disciples. I'm going to say that again. I've talked a long time, and some of you are getting a little bit low on your attention there. I want you to hear this. Church, the, the real job of the church is to make disciples and to baptize them and to teach them to follow Jesus. You with me? When In the Copenhagen Vineyard, when they talk about being a church where we're including We're inspiring and we're involving. That is the disciple-making process. Read discipleship when you read that. In your shipping vineyard where Steve and I are members now, it says we want to be a welcoming, growing, serving community. That is discipleship. You get it? You can say it in different ways, but that's what the church is about. And God wants you, even if you are a pastor or not a pastor or a leader, to be excited about contributing to the work of the kingdom, of helping people come into his kingdom, helping people grow, helping people get involved and fulfill the calling that God has for their life. you with me? So I, I pray that God will stir us, each of us, to be ambassadors for him. I pray that he'll stir us to be part of his church. I'm going to say this especially to the young people that are here tonight, that I've actually been a youth leader in five churches, believe it or not. You know, <laughs> I really have started out as a youth leader. And, uh, then I was a youth pastor in two in three, but, uh, One of the things we struggle with as youth, I'm not a we, I mean you, uh, but one of the things that youth struggle with is the idea of the church. Why the church? Why do we need it? Uh, Can't we just meet with our friends once a week and we can sing and we can listen to read the Bible and that's a wonderful thing to do. Please do that. But you need the church a a little bit more than just your friends. God calls us to be part of his church. Uh, His church is a, um, how do I say it? It's In English, you say it's understood in the New Testament that every book in the New Testament is written to the congregation, a group of people that are in a local community. You with me? The Bible, it takes it not just for granted, but it's self evident that the New Testament is written to the church. So the whole idea of being a Christian is that you say yes to Jesus, and you say yes to Jesus' people, and you become part of his community, his people. And in that community, you have a role. You have something to do. You have an area of grace that God wants you to serve in and fulfill. And that's what he wants your fire to burn for. It might be serving It might be showing compassion. It might be counseling. It might be praying. There's different areas within the life of the church where you are equipped and called to serve. So I hope you have heard me right tonight that I am praying that God will stir your fire. That's all. Your fire for life, your fire for his church, your fire for being involved in his kingdom and what he wants you to do, Um, your fire for your marriage, for your family. Uh, for whatever God has called you to do and to be. This is a very broad teaching tonight, but what I wanted to do is just invite you into this, this um, what's the word, position this week where we come before the Father and we let him work on our lives. Let him stir your fire. Let him do what he wants to do to work in you and develop you into the person he wants you to be. Can we say yes to that? All right. Great. Why don't we have the worship guys come up and, and uh, let's close off with some worship.